from grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, this is take two of Yeast Biology Part 2. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll get into that in a second. Before we do, I want to uh, do some ad reads. Uh, so the American Homebrewers Association does a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. So I want to give a shout-out to our patrons, specifically our black belt patron, Andy Thompson. Uh, if you'd like to be as awesome as Andy and our other patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash blindnessstudios and become a patron today. And if you're doing any Amazon shopping, head over to blindnessstudios.com, click on the Amazon link above our homepage. Your Amazon shopping, as normally, get a bit of a kickback from Amazon, really helps us out. All right, guys, it is really hot in the studio today, so we're going to be uh, we're gonna be toasty. Toasty. But Classic. We all, yep. It's going to be fun. It's that great August radio. You oh, know? yeah. Uh, and then uh, we also have Gordon joining us today. How's it going? Uh, Gordon is, has actually brought his beer down, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, and we're definitely going to be talking about my failures with this beer. Uh, only his. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so Brian, what uh, what what have you been up to? Uh, more importantly, why is this take two of this episode? Oh, uh, well, we were sitting down, uh, not even last... Not last Thursday, not Thursday last before Thursday, but Thursday before to uh, make up a couple episodes, and I got uh, my business partner Justin uh, called me up and told me. Well, he called. I ignored his call because he frequently calls, and because he doesn't remember I'm on the air sometimes. And then I hung up. I just you know declined the call, and then there was another call from him, and then there was a call from his wife, and so I was like, all right, well, if they're both calling me, then I better you know figure out what the hell is going on so uh, come to find out the the alarm so we've got a glycol chiller that keeps all the tanks in the brewery cold um the alarm there is an alarm uh, like a probe that is in the glycol feed and it monitors the temperature of the glycol and if it goes past a certain point like a security company calls you it's basically like having an alarm on your house so if it goes off they call you and a hit was going off, and so Casey and I rushed from uh, 15 minutes to from River Falls to Hudson, Wisconsin, to uh, check on the chiller. And it was literally one of those turn it off and turn it back on again, stupid things, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, but yeah, so then Casey and I went and had some beverages at the bar next door. So it ended up being a pretty fun night, regardless. Uh, but yeah, that's what I uh, was. Uh, that's what happened last week. So I apologize for that, uh, listeners. If you guys were watching the stream or whatever, it stopped rather abruptly. So it sure did. Anyway, that said, beer wise, um, basically we're writing a bunch of like sour recipes and dry hopped kettle sour recipes at the brewery to make some uh, like like smoothie kettle sours and uh, with you know like fruit and vanilla and stuff like that. Uh, so there's two recipes written, and uh, it'll be a new kettle sour series um, before we get the actual like barrel sour program going. So um, yeah, that's Sweet. what we're working on. Doing blood orange kettle sour smoothie for the first first one, and then a uh, 
very similar recipe version of uh, just like a dry hopped kettle sour. Um, I can't remember what the hop bill is. I'd have to look it up, but uh, or a green bill for that matter. But anyway, yeah, that's it. What about you, man? Um, yeah, so I literally uh, got off a plane two hours ago. <laughs> and then he came uh, and picked me yep. up. Yep, yeah, so I got, yeah, so I was at uh, Gen Con uh, for the last uh, four four days. It's the best four days in gra- gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a big board game convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and so I had a lot of Indianapolis beers. Uh, specifically, a lot of Sun King. It's the biggest brewery in the city, it seems oh, cool. like. Um, and they do a special beer every year. That's like a Gen Con exclusive beer uh-huh. that they um, that they sell at at the convention. It's like the official beer. This year's was a Brewtron Nine Thousand. <laughs> uh, the official beer of Gen Con 2019 is an anime inspired uh, tart golden ale with hibiscus, citrus, and yuzu. Um, it was actually really good, especially, you know, when you're standing out waiting in, waiting for food trucks and it's like 90 degrees. What kind of beer was it, the base? I'm sorry, I missed it. It, it Gold, was, golden uh, ale, yeah, they, they said a tart golden ale. Oh, okay. For, to me, it tasted a lot, um, a lot like a Goza. Like it had yeah. like a, a slight salinity to it. It worked a lot with hibiscus, like in a, we did a, like a hibiscus saison and it turned the beer pink for one and for two, it was super tannic and dry because of the hibiscus. Okay. Yeah, this one uh, didn't turn it pink. It was uh, like it. I mean, it had a reddish hue to it, mm-hmm. but that was that was about it. They yeah, probably didn't throw as much in as yeah. we as we um, did. Yeah, no, but it was, it was super light and refreshing. Yeah. Um, then between that, uh, we after that we drank a lot of uh, Pachanga Mexican style lager lager ah. from them. Uh, that was fantastic. We were nice. crushing those. Um, and then the bar at the hotel had a had their Scottish in cans. So we did a lot of that because we'd go back to the hotel at the end of the day. Um, and there was this group from, uh, I want to say they were from Tennessee. Uh, and they were like, they were playing D&D while we were playing board games. And like, they would just keep buying us shots. And we're like, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> nice. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of that. It was good. Um, uh, other than that, let's see. I had a mishap with uh, with the Gordon's beer that we're going to try where <laughs> I tried to force carb it and there was a leak somewhere in my hose and it drained all the CO2 out of my tank. So that was fun. So I found the leak. I fixed that, went and got new CO2, then started the force carb process again uh, and forgot to turn it off before I went to Gen Con. Ah. So slightly over carb now. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Sorry, homie. sorry. Yeah, you know, it's leveled out now. Okay, so, uh, Gordon, what have you been up to beer-related uh, since the last time you've been on the show? It's been a while. Uh, uh, how has how your homebrew journey gone? It's gone. Okay. So far, so good. Um, you had the patience of a saint for putting up with me on that brew day. Oh, I, I feel I feel like it's more for, more than just the brew day that I put up with you. Uh, <laughs> well, I was trying to be so careful not fuck up anything. You just grab the spoon like, God damn it, let's get this table. <laughs> it's beer, man. It's real hard to mess up. <laughs> or putting cold water into the boil kettle rather than hot okay, water. Okay, that one pissed me off. <laughs> oh, he put ice cold water into the in into the kettle. For then I'm like, okay, so we need to heat this up to, you know, 170 some degrees for our strike water, right? Right. So he put cold water in. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Gordon. How are you not watching him do that? Because I, I figured he could put water in a pot. Like, 
I was I was I was getting other stuff ready because oh, I have to haul yeah. everything upstairs, you know, and yeah, do all that. that is true. So I was like, okay, yeah, he can handle this part. Nobody can screw this part up. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> like, oh man, you could try to give me some line about how cold water boils faster. No, that's just what I've always been used to. Is you always use cold water to before starting a boil? I don't know. No, your hot water faucet tap is at god what like 120 120 usually yeah yeah that yeah. gives you a little bit of a jump start yeah it sure does <laughs> <laughs> like i don't understand where this myth of cold water boiling faster comes it's not from faster it's just i don't know that's the way my mom raised me i don't probably some your mom's wrong yeah <laughs> there was when we were growing up there was a lady across the street who would used to tell her kids all these crazy lies like if they picked their scabs they that they would get cancer or that Halloween was the devil's birthday. And so they wouldn't, like, give out <laughs> candy. <laughs> so, I'm just, so I'm just saying, you know, there's moms out there that, that I don't know, maybe your mom just told you that because she, I don't know, didn't want you to Continuous. boil water. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, have an autopilot I suggest you ask her. Yeah, you like ask what? her and report back, please. <laughs> <Whatever it is. laughs> All right. Um, so, Gordon, tell us about this beer. Uh, was shooting for Imperial Stout. Uh, you you have the numbers, yeah, for the from the Rude. Some fuck. Where's my backpack? Classic Gordon. Actually, I think moving it's on. <laughs> well, I mean, I need the recipe. I need. <laughs> I thought you saved all that. Uh, this is your beer. Uh, All right. well, isn't it? I do have it. I have what, too many. Wasn't the point behind this beer to make like a, a Gordon strength beer? Yes, I, I believe we did make this Gordon strong. Right. Uh, not the, not try to. We're no, not trying to. Pun intended. Yeah. I have the pounds here. I don't have percentages. So that's fine. Me. Okay. I have thirteen pounds of Maris Otter, five pounds of I want to say English Rye is what I used, quarter pound of DRC, two pounds of Crystal Sixty, and a quarter pound of Carafa. Okay. Yeah, that. mm, that's got my thumbprint on it in there with yes, the DRC. Yep. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Yeah, hops just did two ounces of Warrior at 60 minutes. Yeast did, uh, we did a two liter starter, was it? Yep. Of uh, WLP 001. I think that's a California ale. California ale, yep. Uh, OG was 1131. Final gravity, or. Why did it, yeah, final gravity was 1031. 40 IBU and. Don't I think it. I think it went lower than the ten yeah. thirty-one. Um, it is ten thirty, right on the nuts. Was it? Okay. Yeah. And came out. I, I can't remember IBU or SRM, but it came out at twelve point one percent. And then it had finished at ten thirty-one. Ten thirty. Ten thirty. This is going to be an interesting one to taste. Yeah, she's uh, she she's beefy. She's yeah. It's sitting in front of me. I'll pull it off beer cam in a minute. But all right. Actually, um, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I? Go for okay. it. Yeah. Originally was shooting for a, uh, a Russian Imperial Stout, and I was kind of talking to my buddy Dave about it. I said, you know, it was kind of like a road trip across Europe. I flew into Dublin, got drunk, made it to ferry over to London, got drunk again, then missed my, my train into Russia. So it came more like English old ale than anything. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah well, and then the color on it, I'm looking through patented beer can. We've definitely it's a beautiful got ruby. some ruby... A ruby situation going on here, so that's interesting. Yeah, fits uh, fits old ale like color wise. Good, 
color for an old ale, right? Yeah. There. Aroma like big raisin mm-hmm. plum. Yep, that roast is um, coming out a lot more now with the carb on it. And as usual, if you guys were looking at the beer cam, I'll put it back for a sec. Uh, yeah, there you go, and a nice khaki head here, and then <clears throat> there is decent retention. Um, I'm not really getting much lacing. That might have to do with the glass, but there, it, it was a big, pretty big rocky head. You know that at first and now has kind of died down to, but is retaining. So uh, get some rye in this beer mm-hmm. as well. And there no rice hulls. Uh, I don't think we rice hulled. Yeah, it. we did through rice. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think we probably had. I bet you if we go back to that episode. Yeah. I, if, I, as soon I, as I, I heard remember. the word rye, I probably yeah, you told said you, you had some lying around, and we just. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I yeah, yeah. I put like a half pound in or whatever. Rye sticky. Yeah, I think I, the rye came out to be like twenty. Two twenty-three percent of the total. To oh yeah. Then. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rice then we definitely need rice hulls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Nose. Uh, yeah. Just wow. got fruit. There's a little bit of gram. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that. Yep. That classic dark fruit. Kind of almost maybe um rum. Rum. Am I like? I'd say like like more and more molasses. Graham, than, molasses, almost rum. Yeah, I mean like a complex rummy. Man, I really like that graham. It's just like you get raisin, raisin, and graham. Like it's that's good. <clears throat> um, well, what do, what what do you think? Dark fruit, black about cherry. Like what well, 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 we're tasting. You you <clears throat> talk about what you like, what you don't like, and I don't like that I missed. Imperial Stout, but like I was talking to Casey after we were <laughs> pa- or putting in a keg, it would be a nice kind of a backbone to make a nice, uh, like an English, try to go for an English older or go for even an English barley wine. Uh, wow, this is, uh, it's a little bit bitter, um, but holy shit, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on in this This beer. is really nice, complex, um, just a smidge of booze. Um, yeah, li- little on the boozy side. Well, I mean, but 12%. 12%. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 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 Man, I don't know. I think, um, I mean, then. Mm-hmm. I'd say a little bit more body, maybe. Carbonation is fucked on it because of the yeah, over-foaming yeah. situation. It all jumped out of the solution. So yep. I'd like this to be a little bit more carbonated. But, man, I really th- this I think, I think we really did a pretty fine job on, on this beer as a whole. Uh, you guys with the brewing and what with the us with the recipe creation and yeah yeah there's there's a lot like a lot of like a lot of caramels a lot of coffee coffee toffee and caramel Mm -hmm. layers you know when the toffee when when caramel goes kind of like yeah there's just good layering i don't know i don't know i get a little bit of booze right out the gate Mm -hmm. and then the roast kicks in and then i get that raisin dark fruit i almost get like a caramel there's a little bit of that too but um i wonder uh on the as far as the the bitterness goes on this one what kind of we're what was the IBU? What was the IBU? Uh, sh- that I can't remember. Um, oh, I was like really shooting for forty IBU. I think it came out less than that. I think it was really? like thirty something. I feel like I'm trying well, to think of why this is. So I mean, bitter. it's fresh, so there's that. Yeah. But like, well, well, it's not like I don't know. It's not like an overwhelming bitterness, mm-mm. though. It's that. Well, it had roast before we put it on carb. Yeah. No, I feel like it's more of a. More well, of a hop- you know what? Now that I'm having a few more sips here, that bitterness is dying. It's I'm kind of beating my tongue a little, down a little bit. Okay. Then. But yeah, I mean, it's like a nice, 
That's like a, a nice warm hug in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what we need on a 90 degree day. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, this is a good fireside sipper, man. I don't know. I, I'm really liking it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not mad about this beer at all. Man, holy no, holy I, shit. I was sweating bullets for the, what, two months that we took? Well, it sat in the fermenter before we kind of got in the keg. Just probably worried out of my mind that it was going to be infected because, <sighs> oh, well, Casey sent me pictures of it where the yeast just decided to blow out the tube. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, this thing God, fermented I like a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God. I knew and you even did a blow-off? We did a blow-off, and yeah. it filled the fucking bucket, yeah. and then the bucket tipped over, and then... <laughs> oh, it works. And then, like, <laughs> it filled the bucket again. It smelled like beer down here. Yeah, it did. Jesus I mean, Christ. not that it doesn't... Normally, it was just, like, super fucking it was, strong. That yeah, day. it was... I hated this beer <laughs> oh, so much. I, like... Well, I did. I knew that the, the yeast was going to grow and, you know, obviously ferment and stuff. I didn't realize just how much yeast was going to grow in there because, then, like, that six-and-a-half-gallon fermenter back there, the whole bottom... Yeah, your kennel thing. The cake was four inches tall. Well, there was a there was a buttload of sugar in this thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it like it like we've been talking about yeast. It wants all that delicious sugar. Well, and then again, yeast are lazy. They want the smaller sugar chains, so they always go for them. And that's another reason why this beer stopped at ten thirty one for one example, and for two, that's why the body is so robust in this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, should we talk about yeast? We is that should, a thing yeah. we should do? We, we should, should. So we're. This is going to be a long one. Um, we're jumping into yeast biology part two. Part two. Um, yeah. So we're going to get a lot of uh, in depth on stuff. Gordon, have you listened to part one? Yes. Okay. How uh, how far did your eyes roll back into your head? <laughs> uh, pretty damn far. Okay. It, granted, it made a lot more sense than the first time I tried to listen to Homebrew Bound and jump into your hop series. Okay. And yep. that's when I got frustrated with myself and went back and listened to the whole series. Okay. From day one. All right. So, so it makes a little bit more please, sense. Please uh, jump in here if you have any like specific questions about stuff because we're just going to kind of, again, we're going to continue our discussion on yeah. yeast biology starting with flocculation. We were talking about mitochondria and, you know, um, mitosis, mitosis is. and <laughs> eukaryotic cell and. <laughs> How to turn right. alcohol into pyruvate. Uh, yeah, so flocculation is basically the the ability of yeast to clump together. Uh, this clumping helps the yeast uh, rise to the top or bottom of the fermenter, which is where we get bottom fermenting and top fermenting yeast. Yeah? Yeah, what strain do we use on Gordon's beer again? Uh, WLP001. Okay, so just Chico, yeah. Yep. No, okay. I think originally we talked about using London Ale, and I couldn't mm-hmm. remember, and I didn't couldn't find my notes when ordering, so I just went safe route. Yeah, yeah no. It's There's a, enough complexity in here without adding Without adding yeast. that, yeah, yeah. Est, fruity ester. Like, we'll get to esters in a bit here, so yep. moving on. All right, so, like, early flocculation tends to result in a sweet, under-attenuated beer. Um, yeast that falls uh, that fails to flock results in uh, cloudy, yeasty tasting beer. Um, so flocculation is ba- yeah. So it's it's the clumping of the it's the clumping of the yeast, and so it'll like and when, when like they, they clump together in like rafts, I would say. Right, and they, and they just they describe this as almost like a magical like occurrence. And again, we mentioned this, and I think in a couple previous episodes or a couple episodes ago that. That we don't especially know why. Yeah, uh, it, it has, has something to do with the wall, and maybe. You know why they flocculate. Um, yep. 
We don't know why they do it. Some yeast are lonelier than others. If I you, guess. Yeah, if you want to think, yeah, right. Like that's a pretty simple way to put it. If you want to put it like on a on a bigger scale, like we're humans and we tend to, you know, sometimes flock to other people to hang out and do podcasts. So yep. yeah, <laughs> maybe the yeast are doing their own podcast, talking about. I want to listen to a yeast podcast. I do too. Actually, we're we're recording one right now. Oh, roll, 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 roll. all right. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeast was selectively bred over many, like many, many years uh, and generations, um, by by top or bottom cropping to get the the flocculent strains that we have today. So the the strains that we have today, even our low flocculent strains, I feel like are more flocculent than uh, like wild yeast and mm-hmm. um, yeast that would have been used even you know a couple hundred years ago. Right. Selective pressure once again, and we have also talked about that before. So. Survival of the fittest. All right. uh, So the primary determinant to how flocculent yeast is is the strain itself, which determines the proteins in the cell wall that uh, that use the clump together, we think. Mm -hmm. Um, Other other, other factors that can affect flocculation are your original gravity of your wart, uh, your fermentation temp. We talked. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about this next week when we're talking about choosing yeast. But um, the cooler you ferment your wort, the like the less vigorous of a fermentation you have. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to have those those yeast like flocculating together and rising to the top or going to the bottom. And in some, that's why lagers take longer. Yeah. So it's slower um, moving yeast, slower yep. to flocculate, slower to metabolize. It's, it's cold out, you know? Exactly, yeah. It's, it, you know, they just want to, like, they don't want to bundle, the, like, they should want to bundle together more. I don't understand yeast. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, then your pitching rate. Um, like, the better your pitching rate uh, for a high flocculent strain, the more, better flocculation you're going to get. If you underpitch, you're not going to see as good of yeast health from them, so your flocculation isn't going to be as good. Um, your initial O2 content, um, we'll touch on that, I believe, next week again, or is that this week? Oxygenation? Yeah, oh, oxygenation. I'm not, I'm not sure. entirely sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically you, you want your... Though. Yes, you... Yeast needs oxygen. Actually, I think we talked about it in biology one. We talked about oh, yeah. uh, what's called sterile synthesis, and that is when you do introduce the only time that you want to introduce oxygen in the brewing process is to help build the yeast cell colony, which is... The fancy way to say it is sterile synthesis. Yep. So if you backtrack an episode. Yes. Uh, and then the calcium content of the wort. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think about this, mostly because you usually don't need to. It, you know, and, and for what it's worth, don't worry too much about this. If you're not salting your water, if you're not adding any kind of calcium or any kind of salts, um, this, you know, the, the general guide is that yeast needs at least 50 ppm to flock well. And generally, in, in if you look at your water report, um, you're, you're probably good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, very rarely, like unless I, I would say unless you're building up from distilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's a different story. Yep. Then, and if you're building up from distilled, you better know. You better know your water. <laughs> you better know how to put the salts in. So anyway, right. moving on. Um, so there's there's really like three different degrees of flocculation that we worry about. Mm-hmm. I would say right, mm-hmm. um, high, medium, and low. Um, so your high high. So what kind of beers would we want to use high flocculation for? Oh, uh, something we want to attenuate low, uh, something okay. like a saison. Um, so our, our flocculation and attenuation, um, are they kind of on the same scale? Or can, or can you have like a low flock, high attenuating, and then a high flock, low attenuating? It depends on the recipe. It depends on your sugar content. Okay. You know, I mean, there's there's probably like a, a lot of different combinations. Okay. There's, I don't think that's a very simple 
All right. I'd have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, high flocculation, um, they're usually early to start flocculating. Mm-hmm. Uh, by like three to five days into attenuation, you'll start to see flocculation. Or uh, fermentation, you'll start to see uh, flocculation. There's so many shuns. So We're going to get there. super high flocculators, will, sometimes they'll stick. And that's why I hear also in the notes it says sometimes you need to rouse the yeast or maybe... So rousing yeast is... Shake the carboy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bubble bubble CO2 to push yep. it back up. Do not um, add oxygen. Well, there's caveat emptor on that because if you're doing like a high gravity beer, and actually I'll backtrack too in, in a second, but uh, there is a plus or minus 18 hour window from the very first bubble in, in the airlock to... You know, from hour one to hour eighteen, that if you are doing a high gravity beer, there is a sweet spot to push more oxygen, doing a second oxygenation into the beer. And this is another ask ten brewers get ten ten answers. So you know, you can Google this and you can find different people saying different things. Um, but I mean, it's literally there's like you know sixteen eighteen hour window where if if you want, you can push more oxygen in to get that okay. colony going. So, but the other piece of backtrack I was going to do is when we were talking about, um, let's see here, the uh, the other factors like in Gordon's beer here. Um, sometimes you know flocculation, whatever. Like we use WLP 001. It flocks fine. It it's, it's a like, medium it's, flocculator, right? right. It, it's a medium flock, but it's like the standard workhorse. But there's a certain point where your alcohol gets too high and it starts killing off, you know, the colony anyway. And so that might have... That's why I went with that strain is because uh-huh. I was looking at the alcohol... Um, tolerance? Tolerance. Yeah, because I said they're good up to that like pretty high. 15% range. Yep, easily. So we're, <laughs> we were fine where this is concerned in this window, but there is that incidence too. So your alcohol gets too high, your, uh, your flock raft... Is like Jack and Rose on the Titanic. Enough <laughs> <laughs> room on the damn board. Uh, in any case, yeah. So we're talking about uh, flocculation degree. We were talking yeah. about high. So high flocculators also um, have higher levels of diacetyl and tend to uh, potentially be lower attenuators, um, just because of how quickly they're like, let's group together and then go. Well, and then the analogy I had made was like sometimes you know yeast. Like pretend they have two hands and they're holding two beers in each or a beer in each hand, and I believe next week you will see a delightful illustration of that. (laughs) (laughs) The yeast cell is standing there and it's holding two beers. It wants to set one beer down and eat some pretzels, and then it, you know, take you know, poops out the pretzels and it picks up another beer. I don't know. That was bad. I did it better last time, but it's better. <clears throat> it's yep. they sometimes they like to push things out of the cell mm-hmm. so that they can do something else in the cell and then they pull that thing back into the cell and in this case diacetyl they'll release they'll secrete diacetyl that butter flavor and then if you don't you know let them have enough time or if it's not or if, it's if flocking it's just, too quickly yeah. it won't pick the diacetyl back up and you're going to have a butter bomb of a beer in your yep. hand so all right um then medium uh medium flocculation this is this is your standard like if you're drinking a beer in America, odds are you're, it's a medium flocculating strain that was used, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, like, they start to flock by day 6, 15, somewhere in there. Um, so a week to two weeks in, you're going to start to see flocculation. Um, clean, balanced flavor production. 
they're they're not gonna leave too much diastole. They're not gonna do a bunch of um, precursors to uh, uh, precursors to shit. I was doing that thing where I was prepping the next thing I was gonna say and, and not listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're they're not they're not gonna have or they're, yeah, they're not gonna have a bunch of uh, phenolic and ester precursors. Okay. Yep, yep. Right. That's that's what I was looking for. Um, yeah, clean. That's why when we say like a, a clean ale, like that's yep. a, your medium. Um, and then your low, uh, we're looking at, like, they fail to f- begin flocking by day 15. These are the, your, like, Hefeweizen yeast, your Belgian yeast. A lot of your uh, wild yeast, like any of your sour yeast, are going to be low flocculating. These are beers where it's okay for them to be hazy on, yes. pu- on purpose. Yeah, not not, <laughs> not IPAs. Um, I'm just going to keep hammering that home until we get clear beer again. <laughs> well, I did... To interject, I did have a hazy uh, oh, yeah. IPA the other day, but it wasn't. I'm sorry. Like northeast hazy, it, they threw oats and wheat into it to get. Yeah, that's how you. Get, that is how you do it. Yeah, I thought it was like yeast and hop matter floating around that they. Well, uh, oh, okay. kind of. I it mean, just you, tasted you, different than you can do a, a hop standard. addition during the middle of fermentation that'll create a. Yeah, perm, if you, if you look at, haze. I believe we did an episode on biotransformation. Yeah, we did, which will uh, kind of cover that. So yeah, biotransformation. Yeah, you add you add hops at high Krausen and weird things happen, and it's mm-hmm. a whole thing. All right, uh, Brian, will you take us through enzymes? I will take us <clears throat> through enzymes. Good, because people are tired of hearing me talk. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, so enzymes, uh, they are proteins that have... So, well, first off, enzymes are nature's catalyst. So this it would take really long, long time to you know convert the starch to sugar in brewing or to um, uh, contribute the protein I mean, they are a protein so to contribute themselves in having amino acids uh, in a correct orientation in order to facilitate that chemical reaction of fermentation uh, so enzymes are they enable a reaction that would would normally take place in it would take several days uh, but now in in this regard we're, we're talking in peak picoseconds like very oh, like thousands of a second. thousands of a second like all these these enzymatic reactions are happening um and then uh, like i said i kind of jumped ahead as per usual but uh we utilize different enzymes in every step of the brewing process but uh we really care about the enzymes in yeast to convert uh the simple sugars and into the ethanol to begin with yeah yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to say about enzymes, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're just kind of there. So, yeah, I mean, at its core, like, brewing is basically just in one big conglomeration of an enzymatic uh, process. All right. So now the, the meat of today's episode. I know it's been meaty already. Uh, we're a half hour in, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're about to go deep down the, down the rabbit hole here because we're going to be talking about flavor and aroma compounds. Um, and so we're going to be going through esters, fusel alcohols, diacetyl or diacetyl, depending on uh, how you say things. Um, some organic <laughs> acids, sulfur compounds, phenolic compounds. All of these like contribute flavor to your beer. Um, so right after the right after pitching, you have this lag phase, which is the yeast getting used to its new environment, kind of figuring out what's what. Figuring out what neighborhoods to stay away from, you know how it is. Um, and then, like they, then there's like a rapid exponential growth and expansion phase. Um, during both of these, yeast is building amino acids, proteins, all of that good stuff. 
um, and the pathways used in their production can leak out of the cell and affect the flavor of the beer. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about flavor and aroma compounds is yeast leakage, mm-hmm. which is not an appetizing way to think about it. No, it's not. And there are like 500 different flavor and aroma compounds that yeast yes. ca- are, could potentially leak. Yeah. Luckily, we're not going to cover all 500. We'd be here all goddamn night. And you don't want that. I don't want that. There's plenty in the keg. <laughs> yeah, there is. But can you imagine listening to a podcast where we're talking about every flavor compound? I <laughs> listen to a podcast where the guy talks softly and, and goes on tangents and rambles, and it helps me put to sleep. It helps me go to sleep. It's not Brewing Network by chances. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, like, I drive around for a full-time job, and I listen to podcasts during mm-hmm. that. But Brewing Network, I can't because like the sun's hitting you, the eyes start to squint, and then one eye's asleep. Well, Jamil like, has that voice. you know. Oh, no, and Palmer does, Palmer too. too. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to talk about other podcasts <laughs> yeah. on my podcast. What? I, it's called Sleep With Me. It's a pretty good podcast. <laughs> Damn right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, so you want to take Esther's? I feel like you're, you're yeah. an Esther fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Esther <laughs> All right. So I always think about it this way. I always think about um, uh, Esther, Esther the banana. So I'm thinking about the Chiquita banana lady. Maybe her name's Esther. Um, so they're a volatile compound that's formed from an organic acid and alcohol. So when those two combine, they are Captain Planet. Um, it, these, this is what the Captain Banana, Captain Banana, uh, or Apple or Solvent, Captain Solvent. Uh, they're, they're Carmen. <laughs> they're Carmen. There you go. Uh, so What's esters are the what when you smell your beer and you know you get that fruity aroma uh, solventy apple banana that is uh, respectively ethyl acetate uh, ethyl caproate and the one that you'll hear the most uh, is isoamyl acetate and that is banana um, <clears throat> so we're talking like the the banana clove flavor that that leaks out of a phenolic off flavor positive yeast strain like when we want that to happen um, you need to have an alcohol and an activated acid in order to create the ester, and the yeasts are doing both of those things. Um, so the most common activated acid in fermentation is acetyl COA. So uh, pre-fermentation, when we add oxygen to promote the cell growth, the cells create the sterols in prep for re- reproduction. So these ster- sterols, like I was saying before, sterile synthesis. So um, uh, that's what they're doing, and then sterile production removes uh, that precursor, the acetyl COA, from the solution, and that gives us less ester production. So there's a lot more going on in the sterile synthesis than I think we uh, realized or talked about. So this will um, help to pull. Um, yep, and that's why um, when you when you under pitch. Uh-huh. And the yeast is stressed. That's why you get more esters because yep, or or more solventy or, or, or more solventy or well, yeah. So you get you get all of these flavors, not off flavors mm-hmm. is is what we call them, but like especially the ester ones. If you underpitch, we don't have enough yeast there to um, for to do the sufficient sterile production to remove the acetyl COA. Right. So the this <coughs> this particular activated acid, acetyl COA. <clears throat> it's needed in ester production, uh, it, but acetyl CO, COA also requires fusel alcohol 
And then, uh, you know, the, another factor is the total activity of the actual enzymes um, in, this, in this situation. So that kind of wraps up esters. I know that was a little bit technical. Yeah. Well, and the, again, I apologize. If you guys have any specific questions on any of these, let us know, and we'll we'll cover it. We'll try to clarify. Gordon, I know I know you're napping now, but uh, no, I'm yeah. here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I I could note also that like a good a good person to read about esters is um, Charlie Bamforth has a lot of um, research into. Yep. Uh, that situation. Um, so going from esters, um, esters need a thing called a fusel alcohol. So let's talk about that. So there's about 40 different types of fusel alcohols produced by yeast. Um, fusel alcohols taste similar um, to ethanol, although they can add some like warming, hot, or solventy flavors. Mm-hmm. So um, when you get that warming sensation, it's not necessarily ethanol. That could be a fusel alcohol. Um, there's no beer styles where you want like that that hot, hot like solventy alcohol flavor. You do not want that. You want your fusels gone if you can. Right. If you can do it, you want them converted into something else or not done. Um, a lot of people attribute uh, headaches in their hangovers to fusels, um, which. Take take that with a grain of salt, but it's possible. I would say that's more quantity than anything else. I don't know. I've had some pretty headache-inducing beers that I've only had one or two of, and I've had a headache after, like poorly fermented. And but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, no. So I, I, I mean, I would, I would, yeah, just keep it in mind. Um, so they're produced throughout fermentation, both in the leg phase and in the fermentation phase. So they're formed uh, from pyruvate. Um, and acetyl-CoA during the amino acid synthesis. So if you kind of think back to last episode, uh, which for us is a couple of weeks, so we got to really dig in that. (laughs) We we talked about pyruvate and how we need it because it helps us create alcohol. Mm -hmm. Fusel alcohols are an alcohol. We want to create alcohol, or we want to create ethanol. Unfortunately, when we're creating ethanol, we're also going to um, create fusel alcohols. So more fusel equals more ester. Yep. It's kind of, yeah. Right. Um, and then during fermentation, it's also the reoxidation of the NADH to NAD+. And we're going to talk a little bit about NAD+, in a bit. Um, but, yeah, so just kind of keep that in mind. And then causes here, um, high fermentation temperature. Uh, you, If you're fermenting too, hot, uh, too high, you're going to get a lot of these fusels because the yeast is just going to be spitting that out. Um, and then if you have too much or too little nitrogen... You're gonna get a lot of fusel because they're they're if there's too much they're, yeah, so they're pulling over, in too much and they're make they're gonna reoxidize all of that nitrogen into NDA overdoing uh, NAD+. it plus yep with uh, yeast nutrient yep Fan. yeah so yeast nutrient I feel like we're gonna have to do an entire episode on but I'm I'm so torn because in your mash you should be creating pretty much everything the yeast needs so how much yeast nutrient you should add if you need to add any is a whole yeah that's ask 10 get 10 mm-hmm. well and luckily <clears throat> right now we don't have that problem because we're talking about science specifically and there mm-hmm. are yeah anyway um, also uh, conditions that uh, that promote aerobic growth uh, produce more fusels so um, oxygenating your beer um, yeah, or oxygen getting into it during fermentation when it, yeah. sh- when it shouldn't 
yeah, if you if you do oxygen introduced at the wrong time, uh, like we talked about before, will cause uh, aerobic uh, growth, which basically has the yeast flushing all of that aerobic stuff out of it out of the cell. Uh, it opens up the. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name for the thing. I should just pull up the notes for that, so I don't just call it the yeast butthole. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. What? Do you have a better name for it? I don't. Um <laughs> <coughs> uh, it is the uh it's, it's in this plasma ma- no it's in the cytoplasm? No. Mitochondria? No. Uh the vacuole? No. Endoplasmic vacuole? reticulum. Endoplasmic metric reticulum. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that Gordon's beer has gotten to me here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to talk about diacetyl? Mm-hmm. So if you go to the movie theater and you uh, get that fake butter on your popcorn, mm-hmm. that is, that's that. So, all right, moving on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> we do what's called a diacetyl rest where we... You know, like let the beer free rise or, or adjust the temperature a little bit higher so that the the yeast, you know, diacetyl will be reduced by the yeast. And by that, I mean, they're going to pull it back into their cell and drop down. Um, high diacetyl can be indicative of uh, uh, crashing the fermentation too early and then not giving it enough time to, like, clean up after itself. And, you know, same thing with sulfur to an extent, but that's a tangent. I was surprised at how low the flavor f- threshold of diastyl is. Yeah. It's it, 0.1 ppm. It's extremely low, but they're, just like everything else, there are people that aren't able to perceive it as well as others. Um, and if you remember, we were doing, when, like, God, this was, was it two years ago almost? That we did the flavor thing on DOO? Love of Pete, yeah. Yeah, um, we got to do that again. Uh, man, last, that was last spring. Yeah, it's about two years ago now. Yeah, yeah. So, in any case, there we were doing three times as much in the dosage, and there were people that still weren't. Yeah, and I I couldn't taste it. Right, and I was listening to another show, and they, one of the guys, kind of the same boat as me. He doesn't taste the butter thing, but Mm -hmm. he somebody described it that he's working with as dirty gym socks. Well, then it's like exactly. So dirty gym socks is not diacetyl. That is a different compound. That is actually, but like if you can put like the right words Thought in, they were talking about in people's hands. No, uh, yeah, okay. no. Uh, dirty gym socks is a different compound. Um, yeah, so butterscotch, um, butter, buttery, uh, like a slipperiness, <laughs> mm-hmm. slickness, slippery. Uh, it's okay in low quantities in some styles, and like Casey said, thresholds pretty high or pretty pretty high. All right, so I like. We we have the we have like the three steps that it takes to make diacetyl. Should we, we should talk about this. Uh, so the uh, so the amino acid valine is produced during the lag and exponential phase. So that's the growth phase. Um, an intermediate compound in that production is acetolactate. Not all acetolactate is converted into valine, um, and then some leaks out into the beer. So we want the valine. Valine good. Acetolactate bad so when acetolactate leaks out into the beer that's where it oxidizes into diacetyl so it's another oxidation thing so oxygen and a lot of these compounds bad yeah you got to give the beer a chance to clean it up yep so in any case moving on all right organic acids uh so they're produced uh, to varying levels during fermentation um we're looking at like acetic lactic 
Buteric and Caporic. Those are the those are the four that we care about. Uh, most of the time, they're under the flavor fa- fa- threshold. Blah, blah, blah. Um, a lot of the times that they're not, we're looking at wild yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will produce these in spades. Um, these are the uh, like the barnyard um, sour aromas and flavors. Also, vinegar and vomit. Like, <laughs> it's bad. Um, but they are also necessary for ester or formation. So, like, these are the acid parts. So these acids will combine with the fusels and create esters. So we need them in some, in some context, but we don't want too much. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> you want to talk? So sulfur has always been an interesting one to me. Yeah, kind of so... Talk about that a little bit? This, a lot of... <clears throat> a lot more common in lager brewing. Uh, just so, because it can't get scrubbed away, right? Well, that's a part of it, but it's the less vigorous, less vigorousness of the fermentation means more sulfur in the solution. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, you know, the, what half of the, literally half of what the yeast metabolizes alcohol and the other half is CO2. And so that CO2, you know, because it, I'm sorry, the sulfur, because it's volatile enough, meaning that it gets all wild and crazy and it'll get shoved around and like, ah, the CO2 will just push it right out of the, right out of the airlock or right out of the blow off tube or however you uh, ferment your beer. Um, so as far as uh, sulfur compounds go, there's four that are normally found. We're talking about DMS, um, which uh, you know, it used to be if you do if you didn't do a ninety minute boil on your pilsner malt, you would have that DMS precursor. But the malt is so highly modified these days, you don't, you don't need really need to worry that. about it. Um, and that's been proven. So, what what uh, what is DMS? Dimethyl sulfide is uh, <clears throat> canned corn or cooked cabbage. So, Marshall Shot does some good research on that too. So, uh, you got uh, another compound usually found is that sulfur dioxide. So, we're talking like burnt match. What you would normally associate with like that that farty sulfur smell, um, it's easily reduced to hydrogen sulfide. Uh, so, and then that would be the number three would be hydrogen sulfide would be like the actual rotten eggs. And then number four would be mercaptans, which is the same stuff that they add to natural gas so that you can smell it. All right. Uh, and then, so you were talking a little bit about the precursor for DMS, which is mm-hmm. DMSO. Yep. DMSO. Indeed. Dimethyl sulfoxide. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so... It's, it's not affected by the boil like DMS and uh, S-methyl, uh, methionine, or S-M-M. Uh, so that's a DMS precursor. Uh, yeast can turn DMSO into DMS, uh, and that increase this, it, it'll increase the canned corn or like cabbage-like flavor, cooked cabbage. All right. So uh, the, the flip coin to esters, I feel like, are fiance. Right. Like, they're... So esters are your, what I would say... So... If, if we're looking at Hefeweizen, I think is the best way to yeah. to do this. Um, your banana flavor mm-hmm. is an ester, mm-hmm. and your clove is a phenol. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're increasing one, and you like, if you want to increase one and decrease the other, like, these are the things that you kind of want to look at. Yeah, but uh, like smoke is also technically a phenol. And yeah, and like plastic, mm-hmm. bandaid, mm-hmm. spicy, like. Um, Think Belgian flavors. Yeah, or Saison, for that matter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so phenol, uh, or phenolic compounds, um, or phenols, are hydroxylated aromic carbon rings. Sit on that for a second. 
<laughs> Sit on it. Uh, anyway, they're often described as medicinal tasting um, or like any of the other things. They're less volatile than fusel alcohols, so they will withstand aging. So they're once they're present and detectable in a beer, they are not going away. Fusel alcohols, you can kind of age out a little bit. They'll break down with time. Not so with phenols. Um, so four vinyl glue... Guayacol. Guayacol? Guayacol. All right. Four vinyl glycol, or four VG, as I'm going to say for mm-hmm. the rest of the time, is the major phenolic compound that yeast produce. Uh, molten hops supply ferulic acid, and then the yeast will break down the ferulic acid using CO2, or decarboxylation. Yep. I think I said that right. And the enzyme... Decarboxylation. Enzyme, yeah. And the enzyme uh, ferulic acid decarboxylase... Um, in to break it down into four feet G. So we were talking about that acid rest, ferulic acid yep. rest. Um, that's why it's necessary in these POF positive beers. Uh, the two things you need to remember from from that takeaway is ferulic acid will influence the four VG, which will give you a better clove. Um, <clears throat> and then that's what you want out of a hefeweizen and his banana and clove. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so looking at that, phenolic prone yeast has an intact POF or phenolic uh, off-flavored gene, mm-hmm. and that's where we get that POF uh, plus. Positive. Yes, or positive. Uh, most brewer's yeast has a natural mutation that prevents uh, the POF gene from producing 4VG. That was something I learned uh, while doing the research on this. I mm-hmm. thought that we wanted, like, some of these phenols. I didn't realize that well, we had a mutation to get rid of them. Yeah. Um, because of this, high phenols are a good indicator of wild yeast infections. So if you get a super phenolic um, beer and you didn't use a high phenol strain, a really easy indicator of a of a of an infection. Um, and then we're looking at like fruits, smoke, woods, uh, etc. Can also add phenols to the beer. So you can add phenols in from like smoked grains or from fruits, or if you add wood. There's certain things in the wood that can be broken down. When we talk about Brettomyces uh, in a couple of weeks, we will we'll dig into that because Brett has uh, the ability to break down some of the sugars in the wood, and that does a whole thing. Um, so, yeah. Is there anything you would like to add? No, man. That was... Uh a lot of information. It was. Gordon, Gordon, wake up. Uh, (laughs) Do you have any questions? No, uh, not yet. But once I re-listen to the episode. Once you actually listen to the episode, you know, we give you a chance to come down here, listen to it firsthand, interject. (laughs) And you say no. I did interject, and then I was kind of out of my element. (laughs) It's okay. We are a little bit too. We don't usually get this science-y. And I think... We're, we're kind of out of the science woods a little bit on this, and we're getting into more comfortable territory. Yeah, uh, if the next episode follows in order, uh, as it should, we're looking at multiple uh, strains. Yeah, multiple yeast. yeast like, choosing your yeast strain. Right. I choosing think. your... Yeah, is that right? Choosing, yep. your, cho- yeah. Choo- choo- choosing what strain to use. And I then choo- it, choo- choose And then you. it's multiple strains, and then it's Brettomyces. There we go. That's right. I have these planned out weeks in advance. I believe our 200th episode falls falls in there somewhere, too. Oh, lovely. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, oh, no, actually, no, that's way after it, because I was totally wrong on our number. Oh, yeah, you were. You were off. We were off by You're way off. many. So. Yeah, but anyway. I, we have, I have a fun show planned for that, so that's going to be a blast. Uh, all right. If you guys have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback. At blindnessstudios.com, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnessstudios or follow us on Twitter at blindnessstudios.com. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.